This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, if you've got your Bible, go with me to the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. I didn't know this until today. They asked me for uh, what we were speaking on tonight, and I said, the Holy Spirit. And they said, this is your 17th week on that. And I said, well, good, we'll just keep going, just keep believing God that it's going to get on the inside of us. And again, I believe this with all my heart. Anything that we don't understand, we're against. And oftentimes we haven't been taught by the Bible the, the, the impact, the influence of everything the Holy Spirit is to do for each one of us. So the more we talk about the Holy Spirit, the more we get comfortable with him. Now, if you were here last week, we ended in James chapter 5. We're going to be there tonight because the Holy Spirit wants to help you in every arena of your life. And so we begin again in James 5, the last part of verse 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, the interesting part to me right there is the two words. The effective, fervent If you'll note in that verse, it didn't say the prayer of a righteous man avails much. It specifically said the effective, fervent prayer. And so when we look at the words effective and fervent, it it talks about there's an energy within us. There's a passion within us. Something stirs us up on the inside and we begin to pray differently. And that stirring up, it's the Holy Spirit's what it is. And so begin to invite the Holy Spirit into your prayer times because he'll birth something on the inside of you that your prayer life will literally come alive. Every one of us in this room have probably been there or are still there where we've prayed and we said, Pastor, it's boring. I don't like to pray. It seems like I can only pray five minutes and, man, I just can't go anymore. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And I'll probably, he'll change the way you pray. And there's times you'll look down and say, golly, we've been in here 30 minutes. I didn't even, didn't even seem that long. Now, to help us understand this a little more, go to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to give you just a couple verses real quick to, so we can get where we need to go. But remember, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man. What is the righteous man? The righteous man is the man who knows who he is in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21 is where that's at. And so the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man. Now, in this passage I'm getting ready to read here in Hebrews 5, it's right in the middle of this story, but there's a verse in there that really got my attention, and that's verse 7. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications. Now, this was talking about Jesus. And so so he's talking about here that when Jesus prayed, he prayed with a passion. He prayed with a, a fervency. And it says, with vehement cries and tears. It's interesting. This was Jesus. When he was praying, he was so moved in his prayer time that it literally brought tears to him. Now watch what it says. Who was able to save him was death and was heard... Why was he heard? Because of his godly fear. And so when you look at godly fear, it's literally a reverent submission. It's a deep submission. And Jesus is saying, man, I'm, I'm submitted to you, Father God. So in this passage here, 
God responds to fervent prayers and he responds to obedient children. Ones that live with a reverent submission to him. Literally right there it goes back. God responds to the prayers of the righteous is what's happening right here again. Turn a few pages back to your left, Ephesians chapter 6. Now as you're turning to Ephesians 6, if Jesus had the need to pray and his prayers were with tears and he was submitted to God like it said he was, what about me and you? Can I walk the earth and live like Jesus? I can. And I ought to imitate Jesus. And if Jesus had the need to pray that way, me and you do also. Now, here in Ephesians 6, if you were to read, we're not going to read it all, but starting in verse 10, verse 10 through 18, it talks about the armor of God. It lists numerous things that we put on as Christians. But look at the last one, and that's found in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, if you'll note there, he didn't just stop and say, praying always with all prayer and supplication. He literally said, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So this specific method is the way spiritual warfare is literally carried on. This is one of our weapons to, to fight the devil with. And so when you see supplication in the Spirit, it's where the Holy Spirit, he, he assists us in prayers... And he helps us to pray. When I begin to look at that verse, I can look and I think, you know what? I can pray. I can have supplications, petitions, or pleading to the Lord. But something happens when I include the Holy Spirit. He births something within me. Turn with me back, way back into the Old Testament to Genesis 18. And this is what I want to get to tonight. So think about the three verses we read. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man and then the one where Jesus cried and he was submitted to God with a holy fear. But then also right there where the Apostle Paul informed us that we are to pray always with prayer and supplication in the spirit. So we go to the book of Genesis chapter 18. Now this is a passage about a man named Abraham. And because Abraham chose to follow God, God began to bless him. And so in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, he said, you got to leave your country, get away from here, from your father's house, and to go where I'm telling you. So Abraham obeyed him. And when Abraham left, one of his nephews, Lot, went with him. Now God began to bless the man Abraham so much that he had to give Lot some of his possession. And their herds got so big that they said, we're going to have to divide them up. And so there was two areas of land right there, and it would have been very easy for Abraham to say, listen, buddy, I get first pick. But he didn't. Abraham told Lot, he said, you get first pick. You get to choose whatever you want. The reason Abraham did that is, you know why? He knew God would take care of him. He knew. His trust wasn't in the land that looked the best. His trust was in God. And so he lets a Lot choose first. And Lot chooses a land called Sodom. And think about this. Appearances can be deceiving. 
Just because it looks better in the natural, it doesn't always mean that that's going to be the way it's going to be. And so Lot chooses that. And so when he goes to this area called Sodom, the wickedness of that land reaches heaven. And when the wickedness of humanity reaches heaven, judgment is inevitable. God punishes sin. He always has and he always will. But he's a just God. So he's, he's in the process, God is, on destroying this place called Sodom. So we pick up Genesis 18, verse 1. Then the men rose from there, and really the men, you're going to find out through the scriptures, they were angels. The men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And this was God. God said, will I, will I not tell the man of God, Abraham, what I plan to do? See, God, he'll tell us the secret things. He, he desires to do that. Verse 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now pay close attention to the words in verse 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after them that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice and the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So God says, you know what? I'm going to tell Abraham what I'm going to do because Abraham lives for me. And not only does he live for me, he commands his children. This is what we're going to do. Now when you look at this right here, Abraham was submitted to God. That's, he's a righteous man. And, and because of this, he obeyed God over and over and over and over again. Verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave. Now I could take you back to Genesis 13. And before Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah, it specifically says they were wicked. They were wicked men before he even chose there. So he saw some of the stuff was going on, but he still went ahead and chose it. Keep reading with me, verse 21. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it, that it has come to me, and if not, I will know. Now, when he says he's going to come down, it's God. God said, I'm going to come down. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to look firsthand. And the outcry against this confirms that God's judgment is perfect and accurately weighed. God will not destroy people just for the fun of it. He's a just God, and this is what it's talking about. So he's saying there's got to be cause for this. Keep reading. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. So Abraham's standing there with God. Verse number 22, 3. And Abraham came near and he said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now just think about this. Abraham's talking to God. And he asked God this question. He said, God, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? 
Look at God's response. And suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous that were in it? Now what God, what Abraham begins to do with God, he begins to almost negotiate with God. And he said, God, if you found 50 righteous in Sodom, would you still destroy it? Now in this passage here, he never mentions his nephew Lot's name. But Lot was on his heart. Abraham knows if Sodom goes, Lot goes. And little does Lot realize at this time in his life, he's done if Abraham doesn't pray. Now I say that to us in this room. Every one of us in this room have loved ones of one time or one type or another. And understand this, that your prayers are valid. Your prayers are needed. And sometimes people say, I don't want that responsibility. Well, you know what? My responsibility is just to pray. God will move in their life if I'll just pray. The Lord told me one day, he said, if you'll pray, they'll obey. But if I don't pray, even in this situation, if Abraham doesn't stand in the gap and begin to to pray for, for Lot, it's over. Here's a great verse for you. Ezekiel 22.30 said that God looked for a man that would stand in the gap so he wouldn't destroy a place. I believe God still does that. And I like to call people at times gappers. You're a gapper. And what that means is you literally stand in the gap for family members and you say, Lord, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to pray for them. And many of you in this room are probably a result of a gapper. I am. I had a mother that would not let go. I'm telling you, she prayed and prayed and prayed. And so here, Abraham begins to to negotiate with God. Keep reading verse 25. Abraham says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Now get this, Abraham's saying this to God. He's bold. I mean to say, the righteous God? Verse 26. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city then I will spare all the place for their sakes. So Abraham really steps out by faith. And he said, would you spare it for 45? God said, yep. 40? Yep. 30? 20? And he gets all the way down to 10. Look at verse number 32. Then he said... Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. He knows, man, I don't want God to get mad at me. Suppose ten should, not, should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So what I begin to see here in all this is back in 19 when God said, I know him. I know him. He was talking about Abraham, and God said, because I know him, I will listen to his prayers. 
I will listen to because what he said. And so literally right here, I believe with all my heart that when God said, I know him, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails and benefits. When I petition God as a righteous man, I'm telling you, his ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. He wants to move in our lives. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels, and guys, these, these were literally what they said the two men were. They were angels. Is that even biblical? It is biblical. Hebrews 13, 2. It says, many, for many of you have entertained angels and you were unaware of it. So he says here, now the two angels came to Sodom. They were dispatched to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now the reason the angels were dispatched to Sodom, twofold. Number one, to get the righteous out. And number two, to destroy everybody else. So when they come into the city, they come into, Lot, into Abraham's nephew Lot's house. Same chapter, pick with me in verse 12. Then the men, then the angels, there it is again, they said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place. Get them out of Dodge. Get them out of here. For we will destroy this place because, there's a because factor, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, Get up and get out of this place. For the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. The things of God, guys, aren't a joke. Not a joke. Just stay right there. Let me read this to you. and You can reference it on your own time. This is Luke. Chapter 17, verse 28. Listen to this. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. There was no reference of God in their life at all, okay? God's not against me eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, and building, as long as he's included in it. But in this reference, nothing was mentioned about God. And it said, but on that day, Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And so you know what he's telling us? History will repeat itself. God's not bluffing. God's not joking, okay? This stuff is, is not a matter of life and death. This, this stuff is a matter of eternity. That's why your prayers are so valuable. So they thought he was joking. Verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. 
You know what's interesting to me about that passage right there? He couldn't find ten righteous. He said, I won't destroy it if there's ten. There wasn't ten. And so he's saying, it's on. Verse 16. And while he lingered, it said literally here, that Lot hesitated. And the reason Lot hesitated, most of the things there, is like most humans race, Lot was tied to his possessions. Lot was tied to his titles. He became very prestigious in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was one of the leaders, but he had so many possessions. He looked at them like, I don't want to lose these. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. So he lingered, and the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him. Why was the Lord merciful to him? You'll find out. And they bought him out, and they set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look back, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest you be destroyed. Same chapter. Look at verse 26. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. She didn't heed the warning. Every translation in Jewish commentaries that I can get a hold of says the reason she looked back is she couldn't get away from her sinful past. She couldn't get away from the things of the world. Sodom left its mark on her. She preferred the things of the world above the things of the God. Remember what we just read there in Luke 17? As it was in the days of Lot. Keep reading. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain. Get this. That God remembered Abraham. When I read this and says God remembered Abraham, God remembered the prayers of Abraham. And the only reason Lot made it is because his uncle prayed. His uncle stood in the gap. His uncle said, you got to get out of here. And when we read that passage there where it said the angels literally grabbed his hand and pulled him out because of the mercy of God. You know what the mercy of God was for? Because of Abraham. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails. And it was like Abraham pleaded and said, no God, no. I got to get him out of here. I got to give him another chance. And so I say that tonight even to us. Your prayers are important. Your prayers move the heart of God. Don't forget ever, we can pray by the Spirit of God. Now, go with me into the book of the New Testament. It's in Romans chapter 8. And when you look at all that, you say, but Abraham just spoke to God. 
What do you think prayer is? It's just speaking to God. And oftentimes when people pray, they have this thought, I got to get real religious. I, I, I got to do this or that. I, I believe with all my heart. You pray and you talk to God just like you would to another, just like I would talk to Adrian. And that's exactly how, how Abraham did to God. Abraham knew God. He had hung out with God. But watch this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps us or aids us in our weaknesses. Plural. <laughs> and we got weaknesses. I got some weaknesses. I got a list of weaknesses. That's why he said the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll aid you. Keep reading. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit not only helps us in our weaknesses. There's times in our life we don't know what to pray. But he does. And when I get over, and not only do I pray and I have supplications, but I pray and have supplications in the Spirit, everything changes here. The Holy Spirit, He births something within me, and it becomes that fervency. It becomes that passion where you say, i got to get before God. I don't have to pray. I want to pray. How many of you have ever been woke up at night before and someone was on your heart and you knew it was God waking you to pray? That's happened to me numerous times. Numerous times. And in the middle of the night, I'm like, I don't know what to pray, but I can tell I'm supposed to pray. So I said, man, the Holy Spirit, here we go. Let's do it. And you release that. And you know what? There may be times in your life that the next day you may come to church or you may go to work and someone will say, man, this happened last night and that happened. You say, wow, that's what I was praying about. But there's going to be other times, you know what's going to happen? You're never going to know until you get to heaven and someone's going to say, it was you. You prayed. The reason I'm here is because you prayed. You stood in the gap for me. And so don't think your prayers don't change things. Don't think that God doesn't hear them. But so much of the time within our churches, this isn't hardly ever talked about or even mentioned. And I believe to agree, that's why we live in defeat. That's why we live frustrated at times. God never intended for me to figure everything out on my own. So there's times I just say, okay, Holy Ghost, here we go. Begin to give me unction. Begin to put something on the inside of me. And there's days, guys, I'll say, Lord, I don't know what to pray, but you do. You do. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.